1: This is the Unplayable Podcast, Sam Ferris here and joining us this week is an Unplayable Podcast favourite, Australia, New South Wales, Melbourne Stars and Royal Challengers, Bangalore spinner Adam Zampa to chat IPL, Virat Kohli and settle the Aussie Cricket Coffee Club debate once and for all. Welcome Adam. Howdy doody. Did I miss any major teams in that intro, Adam?
0: Um, Essex, I've played for Essex, Birmingham Phoenix in the 100 ball competition there's a couple of major teams you miss mate but you can get them next time
1: look forward to it uh, How have you been as amps and what's it been like over there in dubai for the ipl playing with rcb
0: it's been interesting mate um obviously a little bit different to uh, the past in terms of IPL experience being in the in the bubble um but it's been a really good one now that we're out of the rcb camp and We've just joined the new hotel, so basically, what happens now if you are eliminated from the IPL? Um, you know, be literally an hour after the last game, you say goodbyes and then you get brought to a new hotel. So I've joined up with the rest of the Aussie players that have been knocked out of the IPL.
1: It's like Survivor. You get voted off and then you get sent to Extinction Island, where all the other losers are.
0: It is, mate. It's um, it's it's quite funny because. Every two days, obviously, now that there's a semi-final, then there's a qualifier and an eliminator, you always get an influx of new Australian players back into the hotel. And I think all the boys are hoping and praying that David Warner, obviously, David Warner's a bit of a pest around sure. the, ho- the hotel scene. They're all hoping and praying that sunrises keep winning so that you know his, his pestness doesn't get brought to, to the new hotel.
1: I'll let our listeners know that we're recording this on Sunday night uh, before, the I think, the qualifier, where it's uh, Warner's Sunrisers versus Ricky Ponting's Delhi Capitals. So this will come out on the day of the IPL final. So who knows? Maybe by the time this podcast airs, he might be with you sharing coffee, Zams.
0: He may be. It's either going to be him or there's a good chance we might be seeing Stoinis, carry Sam's here later tonight.
1: And we know who you'd rather see for obvious reasons. (laughs) Talk us about the IPL. What have you learned over there? Because you are playing with some of the big dogs of world cricket, Virat Kohli, Abidavillas, your mate Aaron Finch. What have you picked up over there this time? Only the three games, but you performed exceptionally well in the last one. But uh, tell us about your time over there and what you picked up.
0: Yeah, it's it's a bit different, particularly playing with Virat. Um, Obviously, you always play against him. Um, You kind of get to know what he's like on the field. Um, and then being able to spend time away from the cricket field with guys like that, you see how human they actually are. Um, you know, A.B. De Villiers is, a, is an absolute character as well. He loves a beer more than anyone. Um, but, um, you know, obviously he's a quite experienced guy and he knows exactly what he needs to do to get the best out of himself. But yeah, as I said, like, you just realise that um, they're basically just like you. Um, uh, you, you get to see them from afar, and you assume you can make assumptions about what their life is like and what they're like as people. But um, you know, the same as everyone else.
1: Give us a bit more on on Virat. He's Australia's nemesis mainly because he's so good. and scores lots of runs against the Aussies. But you know him now as a person. What's he really like?
0: He's a totally different person off the field. Like you, you know, you see his aggression, um, how competitive he is on the field. He's actually he's one of the most chilled out guys off the field. Like, um, you know, we had a couple of South Africans in our team and um, they do what they like basically, basically the Australian version of a barbecue is called a braai. And they'll have one, you know, once a week and Virat was always down there having a joke, having a laugh. Um, You know, yeah, he was, he's actually one of those guys that he's a a very easy laugh. You can say the worst joke in the world and he'll laugh his head off. So um, yeah, real, 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 real chilled out guy.
1: So you must have had him in stitches this whole time.
0: Yeah, mate, he was um, he'd had enough of me by the end of it, trying to trying to make him laugh until his um, yeah, until his cheeks were sore.
1: Do you think this will impact the way you guys verse each other on the international stage now? Will he take it not easier on you, but do you think there'll be less friction now?
0: No, I don't think so. I think he's the he's the kind of guy that soon as soon as he walks across that line, he he um. You know, he's a competitive beast, so you know I, I saw it firsthand from playing with him now that you know there's there's two different um, versions of him and that's you know the the weight of expectation that he has on him you know on himself to perform for India but um, you know he's he also when he gets off the field he's as I said he's, he's a lovely guy and and very chilled out.
1: Back to the bad jokes, do you know that you've got him out seven times in 21 international matches? Some call him your batting bunny. You're the He's the batsman you've dismissed most in international cricket. I mean, I wouldn't call him your batting bunny, but some have. Uh, is that the type of joke you would throw to him? Would you like to talk to him about your success over him or is that sort of gray area? Don't want to talk about that.
0: It's not really a gray area. Like well, the first day that we arrived to the RCB camp from England, Um, We basically had like this little mentoring um, like task and I would have, you know, Finchi would have the other opening batsman. Um, I would have Chahal and we mentored like uh, Shabazz Ahmed who was another young spinner. So we kind of had little groups and it was basically just to get to know each other a little bit better. Like we would sit down you know talk about where you're from your cricketing highlights what you'd like to do outside of cricket um, and they had to relay the message back to the group in front of everyone and i was like <laughs> trying to, i was like look all you need to say is that um, you know i'm from here i'd like to do this i like to do that but also make sure you finish with he's dismissed virat kohli seven times in international cricket and then I was ready, I was up I was up there. I said whatever I had to say about my mentees or whatever you call them. Um and the message just totally got went through one ear, out the other. It never got said. So I was like, that was my only opportunity to let someone else do it. And it never got brought up. So <laughs> it'll get mentioned, don't worry.
1: Oh, it's gotta be brought up. Well now everyone knows. After listening to this podcast, everyone knows. <laughs> pop <laughs> quiz: you've dismissed him only once in australia when and where did that
0: happen gabba in a t20 international what year 2018
1: and how'd you get him
0: he tried to hit a wrong one, i would say over mid about 150 meters and he top edged it caught by Lynn at backward point amazing spot on <laughs> do you know the other six off
1: by heart too not that you should tell us, but just a yes or no will be fine.
0: Most of them probably caught long on a long off. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, correct. I, okay. I do
1: <laughs> Great. Great. Uh, when you guys got knocked out, given the bio bubble and all that stuff, did you get a chance to celebrate the season? Because that was a pretty good one for RCB.
0: Um, no. it's Franchise cricket is one of those funny ones where, you know, you want to give it your all the whole time. Um, and obviously everyone wants to be up there at the end lifting the trophy, but because it's been a pretty like, grueling for actually for us, it's been a grueling 10 weeks and for them it's been a grueling, you know, nine weeks are in Dubai three weeks before the tournament started. I think it's almost a sense of relief and franchise cricket is one of those things. As soon as it's done, that's it. You know, you shake everyone's hand goodbye and then everyone's off to, um, you know, whatever they're, whatever they're doing next. So, uh, not really didn't really have a celebratory beer no
1: that's tough i'm sorry to hear that so you're there on losers island or in the hotel with all the other <laughs> aussies what have you been doing have you guys been trained together getting ready for this one day series in australia which starts in all oh, the end of this month
0: the quick bowlers have been able to get out and get their workloads done but um the rest of us are, I think, pretty keen to just put our feet up until we get to Sydney. We've got two weeks quarantine, where I believe that we are able to get some training in. Um, so there's going to be plenty of opportunity to prepare for that.
1: So if you're not training, what are you doing?
0: Um, well, typical day here at the moment. So this is my second day on Losers Island. Yep. And typical day is little sleep in. Um, you know, we get a certain time each day to go to either the gym or the pool because they uh the indian team get to use it at different times then they sanitize it in between or whatever um but yeah a little bit gym coffee um, and then uh, i actually don't really know I think staring at the wall a bit of netflix i've been watching i think i've watched seinfeld four times over in the last six weeks plus curb your enthusiasm <laughs> as well um plenty of that
1: have you got a go-to Seinfeld season and if so out of that an episode
0: I don't really have a go-to season no I think I always skip season one yeah S- season, season one was steady but no no in particular episode like I it's one of those shows where I could just have it in the background while I'm doing other stuff but um yeah just easy to watch
1: and which Seinfeld character do you think most relates to you
0: I think, Jerry, just because he's got that dry sense of humour. Definitely not Kramer. Definitely, you yeah, know, maybe Elaine.
1: Yeah.
0: I reckon, yeah, I'm Elaine. Maybe yeah. Elaine.
1: Yeah, good shout. How are you feeling about your game at the international level at the moment? Because last time you played for Australia, you took 10 wickets in those 3-1 days against England back in September, which feels like an ages ago.
0: Uh, yeah, it does feel like a little while ago now. Um, but, yeah, I feel I feel really good. I'm. Um, you know that was a that was a really testing series, and I think that um, I've got a lot of confidence out of that series. To be honest with you, I, England are one of those teams where um, you know they're a pretty attacking, high-scoring team, and generally spinners that go to England don't really have a lot of success because of just how attacking they are. You know, one day t- one day cricket is really difficult for the spinners in the middle overs and when you're against an attacking team, they can put pressure on you. So, um, you know, and I, I was left out of the England series two years ago, um, the one where we lost five nil. So, I had a bit of fire in the belly, to be honest with you, going into into this one. Um, but yeah, that was that was a great way to, and obviously to win the series as well was was amazing. See, got guys that I'm really close with, like Maxi and Keza do well. Um, was awesome and yeah it was a it was a really good feeling that series
1: when you say you had the fire in the belly were there still nerves though playing in those games
0: yeah always i um you know particularly after a long break as well I think once you're into the international schedule and you're playing a lot of cricket and you go from one series to the other and you really get into the groove and the swing of things I think you don't have as much nerves but same i I think same for any cricketer when you haven't played for so long you, know, you get six months off um, yeah, there's a bit, there's a bit, there's definitely a few nerves there.
1: Yeah, right. And, and what do you think you did well in that series to, to reap the rewards, to get those 10 wickets and give Australia that 2 1 win?
0: Definitely, definitely mindset. Um, I think I'm feeling really backed at the moment, particularly by Finchie. Um, you know, I think the difference between now and a few years ago, that when I, obviously I was a little bit younger and not as good a bowler as I feel like I am now, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to definitely try a little bit more when I'm out there. I'm willing to, um, put less pressure on myself about being attacking and trying to get wickets rather than containing and try and get basically trying to bowl. Okay. Enough to get to the next game. Now I feel like I'm back enough to, to push for wickets in the middle overs.
1: When you're at this stage of your career, having been around for a while now, playing in World Cups, had some success, uh, are the biggest gains on the skills side or on the sort of mental skills side? Where can you see the, the biggest improvement coming?
0: Definitely definitely mental side of things. I guess you, you definitely go through stages where you want to work on technique and you want to work on different deliveries or if, it's, if you're a batsman, different shots and whatever. But I think... Um, I just think it's experience. Uh, when you when you're younger, you you kind of look too far ahead. Sometimes when you're 23, 24, you're always thinking about just you know doing enough. As, as I said before, doing enough to maybe get a game in the next series or you play the next game. But once you're a little bit older, you play more for Australia. You play more of this franchise cricket. you kind of you can kind of see how things will pan out a little bit more, and you get more confident in. Your ability, the the mental side in terms of coming back from setbacks, and yeah, I think I think probably the mental side.
1: Yeah, I reckon that's one area the fans probably don't give the players enough maybe leeway with, especially players coming into the into the team, young players who don't have that bank of experience to draw from. So when they're going out there, they're just playing it as they see it because they've got you know, no database of previous matches to draw from? Because I'm sure you've you've encountered a lot of the same situations now. You can go, oh, I know what happened that time. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. And you can go on from there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, in your first few games, even... I remember being young, playing for Sydney Thunder, Adelaide Strikers. Um, you always question what can happen in each game, almost. Um, you're definitely more nervous. You hear the crowd more. You feel the butterflies more. Um, and then, when which when you take that onto the field, you definitely make more mistakes. Um, but yeah, once I think once you're older, you you learn to cope with that. You're more experienced. You're not stressed about what's going to happen the next day, next series. You just you're basically in the moment a little bit more.
1: And when you're working on that. Is there somebody you turn to to help you prepare for the the mental side, or is that more of a thing you do on your own?
0: Like me personally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Harriet's been great for me um, in terms of that. She's your partner um, for those who don't know. My partner. Um, yep. She's a calm influence for me. Um, makes me see the bigger picture, and then also the other person that I turn to is definitely. Um, Trent Woodhill has been my, who's he's been the assistant coach at Melbourne Stars for a long time. Um, he's the WBBL Stars coach at the moment. I think he's got a bit of a role with the BBL at the moment, but he's been my mentor since I was probably 13 or 14. So he's someone that I turn to a lot about um, how's my bowling look, how do you feel like my energy is, like do I look like I'm in the fight? Um, yeah, just little things like that. He was on that
1: tour as an assistant coach. What was that like?
0: He was, yeah, it was great. When you have someone that you can turn to, um, basically on the spot, it helps definitely. So I think a few guys, I really enjoyed him. It's the same with Andrew McDonald tour when he's on tour. I think a couple of guys have a really good relationship with Ronnie, where they can go and turn to him for for whatever it is.
1: On that England series, you took those ten wickets, which I think. Was the record for the most wickets by an Aussie spinner in a three-match bilateral ODI series. Are you aware of your own stats? Are you aware of these records?
0: Um, no, I'm not aware of the records. I'm aware of probably, you know, I, I try and think about what the big wickets are that game. Um, not not particularly the amount of wickets. Like I always feel really good when I've gotten a big wicket, which can change the game. Um so yeah that's probably the more important one to me.
1: I just thought you knowing how many times you've dismissed Virat Cole in so many games that you'd be aware of
0: your Oh the Virat Kohli one's the Virat Coley one's definitely different because it's social media is all over that one it's like I get I get Instagram messages all the time saying how dare how dare you get <laughs> Virat out again he's he's your daddy he owns you <laughs> Well, he does at ICB. So I'm, const- <laughs> I'm constantly reminded of it. That's why.
1: <laughs> is there another player you'd like to have a similar record against? Another player in world cricket? Maybe even Australian cricket if you come up against some of the BBL or state state cricket.
0: Is there one or is there one that I'd like to? Well, there isn't one, but is
1: there one you would like to have a similar record against? And you can't say everyone. You've got to pick one.
0: No. No, that's a tough question because I don't know the answer.
1: Just name some other awesome batter. I don't know. Kane Williamson.
0: Got him with that good Roman. Kane okay, Winston's a good player. Who's tough in the big bash? No one. Finchy <laughs> and I joke all the time about how I get him out straight after he's hit me for six. Really? He always hits me for a six and then next ball out. Always happens. Is that a fact? Uh, I wouldn't know if it's a fact. It's maybe his little stretch of the truth. No, but already. I it he hits me for sixes a lot and then I get him out. <laughs> Right, right,
1: we'll get the research team onto that one. With your game and you've talked about the mental side of it, uh, has there been an aspect on the on the skills side that you've identified uh, in the past couple of years that's helped you improve and take your game to a new level?
0: Um, I love watching leg, leg spin bowling in general. You know, you've got guys I've come on to see in the last few years like Sandeep who I played with. Um, I played with, well, I've played against Rashid Khan who is different gravy. Um mm. But, I, yeah, when I got delisted off the contract list and then didn't get picked for the England tour two years ago, um, I was disappointed. So I, I went away to Essex and played some T20 cricket there. Um, and I was actually there with Trent Woodhill for a little bit. Um, and we worked on a run-up speed. Um, I'm all, I'm always trying to find things that I can do a little bit better. Like a run-up speed, I've I've tried to copy that a little bit from guys like Sandeep and... Um, you know Rashid Khan, and then like my length of my stride in terms of when I get to the crease. As a leg spinner, you don't want it to be too long. Um, so you know someone like Imran Tahir, who's got a really short stride, he's got really good control of his upper body. Where if you have a really long stride, um, the balance of your top half is—it's almost like you're stretching. Um, towards your target rather than having really good control of of um, everything above, it, including your head and your wrist and makes it really hard to bowl variations.
1: I imagine if you've got that long stance as well, it's harder to get over the top of that front foot, right? If you're, tall, you're taller and you can really get over that and pivot on that front foot.
0: Yeah, exactly. Basically, that's one of the most important things of bowling, leg, leg spin bowling in it. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, it's... Like a seesaw, if your strides long, it's not really like a seesaw actually. But yeah, if you stride, basically if you if your strides long, (laughs) um, your top half has to do way too much work to to get the ball where it needs to go.
1: For all those kids listening, don't think of seesaws when it comes to leg spin bowling. Just keep that stride length, that last stride, just a little bit shorter. Yeah. You're going to take on India in those three one days and three t20s. What's going to be the key to beating Virat Kohli's the inside?
0: It's probably the same key in every ODI that we've ever played. It's just about um, you know, early wickets are a key. I think if you're bowling to guys like, I know that he's not named in it at the moment, but if you're bowling to guys like Rohit Sharma, Kael Rahul, um, Shigadawan and Virat, if you're bowling to them in the 30 overs, 40 overs, 50 overs, then you know you're going to be chasing a big score. So um, that's that's really important. I think we've also, on the other um, shoe, we have beaten them when we've scored big scores too. So um, you know, they've got guys up front like Boomer who are big wicket takers. If we can control that part of our game and, and post big scores too, then um, that'll go a long way to beating them.
1: So you've just put all the pressure on the quicks to get wickets up front? Yeah,
0: quicks and then batsmen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What does a spinner do again?
0: They um they toss it up when the opposition needs ten and over.
1: <laughs> yeah, big Australian grounds caught on the boundary. <laughs> so game's gonna be held in Sydney, then Canberra, then back to Sydney, which is now what you sort of call home, having moved back there from South Australia New South Wales. Can you give us the the quick reasons why you made the move?
0: A couple of reasons I made the move back home. I think um, you know, family was a pretty big reason. Um, been away from home now for for seven seasons, um, traveling the world, playing international cricket. So whenever I got the opportunity to even be home, I hardly got to see my extended family. Um, so that was a big reason. And then, just I think opportunity. I, 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 I don't want to speak ill of anyone, but South Australian cricket have struggled for a little while now. And um, I've got dreams of playing for Australia for a long time. And also, um, you know, I'd still love to play test cricket one day. I know that I haven't played a lot of first-class cricket lately, but I feel like my best opportunity and best way into, into that team is to, um, you know, be playing with guys that are in that team. So if I have the opportunity to... You know, bowl with Nathan Lyon in Shield cricket, and learn from him, and make that relationship as well. I think it probably goes a long way to hope for that next step one day. Plus, in all honesty, I I love the idea of playing for New South Wales. I um, you know, obviously I, I was born there and I I started playing my first class career there. So to have the opportunity to to play for my home state again it was it was too hard not to to take.
1: Now, you won't be staying at home when you're in Sydney. Uh, you'll be in the Aussie bubble. Uh, what are your must-have items in a bubble situation? What are some of the things you've got to have with you that, that you need when you're in a bubble?
0: So for me, I always have my coffee stuff, which is obvious. Yep. I've got a Nutribullet. Yep. I've got an electric fry pan. Oh, really? Yep. So I do like to cook sometimes. If we don't have a kitchenette, which with the Australian team, you don't usually you have your own separate rooms with your, the double bed and your TV in front of it and your ensuite. suite. Mm. If you're playing something like shield cricket, usually you have a roommate and you have the apartment, which has a kitchenette. Yeah. And you can cook and whatever. So I always like to have the option of of cooking. What else do I have in my room? It's basically based around food. Mm. And coffee
1: and what are you, what are you cooking on this electric fire program? what would you cook for yourself
0: I would cook anything from stir fries to curries to burgers you know my one of my one of the easy meals is just like I love making loaded sweet potatoes where I fry up some mushrooms some chickpeas cook the sweet potatoes make a bit of cashew cream that I that I make in my uh, Nutribullet. bullet that sounds lovely.
1: Talk to us a little bit about the coffee stuff because our listeners know you are the pioneer when it comes to running an independent cafe while on tour. Can you first explain to those who don't know what your cafe setup is and how it operates?
0: My cafe setup is, it's called a V60 Pour Over. So, yeah,
1: that's, that's too detailed. More like what's the cafe name and who can and cannot drink from there.
0: It's called the Original Love Cafe now. Oh, really? <laughs> it used to be called the Love Cafe, but now it's called the original Love Cafe. And my setup is that I'd make filter coffee. I won't go too deep into it. I won't yeah. call it v 6 here, but it's a filter coffee. Um, very good coffee beans in this establishment. Um, only a certain grade of coffee bean is allowed in here. Specialty coffee, I would call it. But yeah, it's the original Love Cafe.
1: And why is it the original? Is there a, is there a new Neo Love Cafe?
0: there's a couple now. So,
1: okay. okay. Well, hang on. Let's let's get into that. Let's get into that because what have you made of all these copycats out there? We're talking like David Warner, Minus Lubbershane, Mitch Marsh. I'm hearing even Sean Abbott is doing it now. Um, what have you made of these copycats that have obviously now copied the Love Cafe?
0: All that is true. So yeah, you've got Minus, you've got Warner, you've got um, Sean Abbott, Mitch Marsh, I think even Stoyny's on board. Mm. But see, those guys have all bought coffee machines, which where you can make your espresso, your cappuccino, your latte basically, like just, you know, your your boring coffee, which sometimes I don't mind. I'll, you know, I'll go, even Pat Cummins has a coffee machine now. So I'll go into his room and sometimes I'll have a oat milk flat white. It's nice to change it up sometimes. So um, I won't speak ill of any of them, but that's why I'm the original Love Café now.
1: Is it true that only a select number of the Australian team
0: can actually visit
1: the original Love Café? It's not open doors everywhere because, you know, David Warner's got opening hours. He kind of lets everyone in and people are, you know, obviously worried to go in there and get out as quickly as possible. But your door's not uh, always open.
0: It's not always open, no. I um I like my own time. Mm. So... I don't like people just knocking on my door willy-nilly and going, I need a coffee because my coffee needs the process, the time. It needs to be respected. It needs to come with some good conversation as well. So, Who does that rule out? Oh, <laughs> how long do we have? Not that long. No, don't worry about it then. <laughs> okay. Fair to say there's a few. Fair to say.
1: Have you tasted the others and are you threatened by them?
0: Not threatened, no, at all. Just to clarify, my coffee is specialty coffee. Yeah. For people that know, I only have 90 plus coffee beans in my room, which basically coffee is scored once per year at the National Barista Championships. And each coffee in the world is scored out of 100. And if you're over 90, you're, you're regarded as good coffee, great coffee. Other cafes, Manus's cafe. He's very, very good at making a flat white or a cappuccino, and I would go to Manus if I wanted that, or I would probably go to Pat Cummins here at the moment on Loser Island. Yep. But my yeah my my coffee's it's different to everyone else's.
1: On Loser Island,
0: who? Well,
1: when you got there, who were you most looking forward to hanging out with of your Australian teammates? So, is there a player that you particularly pined for?
0: No, not a player. I would probably say Andrew McDonald.
1: McDonald, yeah.
0: Pat Cummins is up there, but um, yeah, probably Andrew McDonald.
1: Okay. Just as a, just someone to have a chat to enjoy a coffee with.
0: Yeah, I like talking to him about cricket. He's a good view on things, but he's also a good time merchant. Need plenty of those around.
1: After the limited mm-hmm. over series, you'll be heading into another bubble. There'll be a bubble boy by the end of this summer. Zamps? A bubble boy? Another great sign for the episode. Uh, bubble with the Melbourne Stars. Big bash season coming up. And you've got an exciting squad. Maxwell, Madison, Marcus Stoinis, kultonal and Johnny Bairstow. You pumped for BBL 10?
0: Yes, I'm excited about Big Bash. It's hard to keep staying excited about being in the bubble. But I think it's the little wins that you get. Like even arriving to Loser Island a couple of nights ago, it was like, oh, cool, a new room beautiful the thought of getting to australia now and being on the same time zone as everyone else in your life is exciting it's a little win so i think getting around the stars boys um it's going to be a nice fresh night for us
1: got so close last year losing in the final uh, on a scale of one to ten how confident are you the stars can go one better this summer
0: I'm confident. I'm confident that we have the stock to do it. I think we've got a couple of really good inclusions like Johnny, um, Big Billy Stanlake, I think, you know, he's had a rough couple of years, but he's he's shown that he can do it at international level. And, you know, I think we can get the best out of him at the Stars. So we've definitely got the list to do it. But, yeah, I, I absolutely love playing for the Stars. So I'd love, I'd love for anything for us to, to win it this year.
1: Did you give us a rating out of 10, how confident you are getting into the final again, winning it?
0: Getting into the final and winning it?
1: No, winning it, winning
0: it out of ten. Can I can I give you out of ten for both of those?
1: Sure.
0: Getting into the final, I'm ten out of ten, confident. Yeah. And then I don't have an answer for the next one. Sorry.
1: We forgive you, Zams, because this has been a ten out of ten chat, and we thank you for your time as always. You're a favorite of the Unplayable Podcast, and we wish you all the (laughs) best. Well, is there anything else you'd like to discuss? Let's talk more about Loser Island.
0: No, I've got nothing else to do. Yeah, you've got nothing else.
1: What I will ask you before we do sign off, this one-day squad, have you played with the likes of Cameron Green?
0: I've played against him, Cameron Green. Yeah. He's um he's very impressive, actually. Uh, we played him last year in a Shield game at the Wacker and I think maybe we, South Australia, had um, the Wacker fall down for not many. Yeah. Yep. So nipping around a little bit, Chad Sayers had it on a string. We'd got Sean Marsh out. Um, it was doing a bit and then he came out, Cameron Green. And, yeah, he just looked like, you know, he's on a different level. It's Sean Marsh, Sean Marsh is one of you know, best domestic players basically ever. But, um, yeah, just that day he looked like a, he had so much more time than anyone else his age. So he's definitely something special, but hopefully he um, – you know, he gets managed well enough and doesn't get thrown into the deep end.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got Cameron Green, Will Pukowski, absolutely braining it at the moment. Uh, is that your is that your message? You don't want to throw him in the deep end. I mean, it's, in terms of deep end series,
0: India doesn't get much deeper, does it? No, it doesn't get much deeper than that. And I think if we if it was over there, if it was over there. That'd be deeper, I guess. That would be deeper, but I'm not. I'm not saying that those young guys shouldn't get a crack because I. I think if you're performing, then you deserve it more than than anyone else. But um, you know, I think particularly from an outsider's point of view, if you're watching the Test series this year and Cameron Green's playing, I think we give young guys a bit of leeway to to learn because I think you know, from my point of view, guys like Pekoski and and Cameron Green, they could be once in a generation players. So just yeah, give them time to develop
1: when you're around those kind of guys who are obviously so talented, do they have their own kind of little aura about them or because they're so young, do you just treat them like, you know, young kids who don't really know what's going on?
0: Definitely treat them like young kids. <laughs> Cause I'm about, I'm a battler, mate. So I've got to try and get anything over, yeah. over them guys that I can. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, like Cameron Green, I've, I'm bit chirpy with him when I bowl to him, just because I'm trying to get anything over him. Because I know that one day when I'm 33 and he's 28, he's probably gonna have um, something over me.
1: (laughs) Well, he's gonna have at least a foot standing over you. And yeah, that's true. (laughs) What about IPL? And this we can we can finish this one. IPL. Have you got any other that story about uh, trying to get your young mentee to uh, flush out your Virat Kohli's stats fantastic have you got any other great stories you can share with us from your time in the IPL
0: oh the only one I can think of is probably Josh I I like to call him Josh Felipe um flipper yeah he was obviously in our squad as well but now that we're on loser island he's starting to have withdrawals from hanging around AB De Villiers Mm. he was just all over him mate really it's like a kid kid in a candy shop just yeah
1: didn't A B say that he saw a bit of himself in Felipe?
0: Yeah, the the baldness. <laughs> that's that's what I took out of it anyway. I thought more about his gameplay, but if I mean you were there, so you'd you'd know. Well, in from my point of view, I think Josh Felipe, Flipper, likes to try and bat like Steve Smith okay. more than he tries to bat like A Benavilliers. So
1: Fair enough. Big future for Flipper.
0: Very big, yeah. Yeah. He's one of those guys too, I think, that, yeah, he can be one of those once in a generation players. Can he make it as a gloveman? Haven't seen enough of it. Yeah. To, to answer you honestly.
1: Yep. Well, Zams, as I said earlier, this has been a 10 out of 10 chat. Thank you again for your time and the extended time. And all the best with the Original Love Cafe
0: and on the cricket field this summer. Peace out from the Original Love Cafe.
1: That's it for this week's episode of the Unplayable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and the scoop, which covers all things women's cricket, wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to be back next week, but until then, for your live scores, breaking news, and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and stay a live app. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?